This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome to Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack. I am Tammy Mack on Fox Soul. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never hurt me. Well, that is a classic quote told to kids when they are being teased or bullied by other kids. But have we been lying to our children? In reality, words can be hurtful or even worse, dangerous. The First Amendment protects freedom of speech, but just how far does that freedom go? Do we yell fire in a crowded theater and expect all to be well? Or should there be limits on freedom of speech? Well, let's get down to business. The business of being black today is freedom of speech. Please welcome from the Howard University School of Education, Dr. Kiko D. Henderson. Hi, Dr. Henderson. The Director of Membership Development for the Project 21 Black Leadership Network, Donna Jackson, is here. Hi, Ms. Donna. Thank you for having me. The National Ambassador for Braver Angels, John Wood Jr. Hi, John. Hey there, Tommy Mack. Good to be here. Thank you for being here. And the Chief Political Officer for Democracy for America. Welcome back, Chris Scott. Hi, Chris. Great to be back, Tammy. Let's get down to the business of being black. Chris, let's start with you. Why should black people care about freedom of speech being limited or not? Black people need to care about having sensible protections under freedom of speech. Right now, we see a rise, particularly on social media, uh, in aggressive language targeting Black communities, targeting LGBTQ uh, communities. So we have to have those protections to make sure that we don't incite uh, further violence, uh, that these communities aren't further affected, um, which we continue to see rise, just like in the insurrection of January. Donna, freedom of speech. Why should Black people care? I think that freedom of speech is important um, for everyone. There, you know, I'm pretty sure that a lot of people don't like Fox News. I don't necessarily care for MSNBC, but I'm not asking for people to take MSNBC off the air. I think that people have the right to say what they want, and that if you limit one person's speech, you limit all of our speech. I am a man is the most important thing that I've ever seen during the civil rights movement. It says that I have a voice and that voice deserves to be heard. Okay. You're not a fan of MSNBC. Are you a fan of Fox News, Donna? I am. I just wanted to know. I just wanted to know where we stand here on Fox Soul. That's all. <laughs> John, talk to me. Why should Black people care about freedom of speech? Well, black people should care about freedom of speech because freedom of speech is a legacy of the black freedom tradition. The black freedom tradition is all about speaking truth to power. It is all about enunciating the right that we have to certain liberties as equal shareholders in this American experiment. You can't do that unless you have the right to speak freely, and you can't preserve the right to speak freely for yourself unless you safeguard it for other people. But it's a part of the, the legacy of our activism for civil rights and social justice that we believe in freedom of speech. And so for me, to my mind, that's the reason why black people ought to care about it. Dr. Kiko. Yes, ma'am. Um, I think that uh, Black people should care about freedom of speech because if there are no sanctions, if there are no limits on freedom of speech, it gives those who don't necessarily know how to uh, use that freedom, it gives them uh, the, it gives it, it makes them a liability and it increases the, uh, the the hate the hate towards marginalized groups. So I think that that is one reason that Black people should care. So let's talk about the definition of freedom of speech. What is the definition of free speech to you? Let's stay with you, doctor. 
Um, what is the definition of free speech to me? Um, it, essentially what it says, um, the ability or the liberties to speak freely. Um, however, I think that we should- Is that freely without consequences? Um, uh, like, uh, like one of my counterparts said previously, if we limit the speech of one party, we have to limit the speech of, of another party. However, I think that what we also have to take into consideration is the intent of freedom of speech. Um, if we're, if we are, if with, with, with any freedom, there comes a responsibility. And with the freedom of speech, we have to be conscious of our intent. Um, and when that in intent is not, and when we're not held accountable for that intent, um, it, creates the need for limits on uh, on freedom of speech. Chris, do you agree with that definition? I think overall, I definitely agree with that uh, definition. When we're looking at freedom of speech, the direct definition is just being able to express your opinion without censorship. The problem with not having any censorship at all is that, again, we continue to see a rise uh, in hate speech that has incited a lot of incidents, particularly in the last three to four years uh, in general. So we're not talking about not allowing people to have a voice, but you have to have sensible protections, uh, as already outlined in the Constitution, to make sure that we don't plunge this country into anarchy. John, what do you think the definition of free speech is? Well, I would say that the definition of free speech is the ability to speak and is the ability to think and speak your opinions uh, to Chris's point without fear of censorship, but specifically by virtue of the law, right? So in other words, I should be able to say the things that I believe in socially and politically without expecting that the, the government, federal, state, or local is going to be able to impose some fine or sanction or punishment on me for the opinion that I have, right? And so it's important when we talk about free speech to understand it in its different contexts and dimensions, because there's free speech as a legal matter, then there's free speech in the context of how do private publishers and platforms and so forth regulate their content? Do they choose to do so? And then there's just the cultural idea of free speech, which is us having a conversation. Am I willing to listen to you? Are you willing to hear me, et cetera, et cetera? But on the fundamental level, I'm particularly concerned with protecting the right to freedom of speech as something that everybody is guaranteed underneath the Constitution, and we can have a nuanced conversation starting from there about all of the other dimensions in which this expresses itself. Donna, the definition of free speech. Free speech means that you're allowed to have public discourse with people who don't agree with you. And the fact that people don't agree with you doesn't mean that you have to limit who you are. You are an individual. And, and the fact that someone might be offended by what you say does not mean that what you're saying shouldn't be protected. Um, I, there's people in my own family that I don't necessarily care for, but it doesn't mean that I'm not supposed to be able to say what I want to be able to say. And I think that it's a fundamental right and freedom that we have that ability to speak up. Otherwise, we're not you are not free human beings. We Listen, has, has, but Donna, has freedom of speech gone a little too far these days? Um, I was just looking at a video of Viola Davis, and she said that the meanest thing that anyone has ever said to her consistently throughout her life was that she was not pretty. Is that necessary to say? You have the freedom to say that someone is not pretty, but is it necessary to say that someone is not pretty? Is it necessary to use the N-word? Is it necessary to uh, spew hate? But you know, what we're saying now, because all of a sudden, what is considered hate speech, it's not that there's more hate speech. That's, it's just more of what we classify as hate speech today. Oh, Dr. Kiko, how do you feel about what she just said? Uh, I think uh, a part of me agrees. However, I think it's the accessibility. Um, I think that the fact that we have all of these different- the Accessibility to words? Oh, oh, the accessibility to platforms to convey or say whatever you want to say. Take, take, for instance, Donald Trump. Uh, Don Imus, a few years ago, when he uh, made the the, uh, the the comment about the, the female uh, basketball players on his team, and on the inverse the of that. headed girls. Yes, absolutely. And on the inverse of that, we have Kanye. Uh, we have uh, we have Kanye and, and Kyrie Irving, or what have you, with the anti-Semitic uh, anti comments, or what have you. I think that if 
And, 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 and just taking it a step further with Don Imus and Kyrie and Kanye, um, the, the consequences for them were, were starkly different. Um, or what have you, the expectation and the the, the expectation of censorship on on Kanye and Kyrie, uh, we, they wanted them to jump through hurdles when with Donald Trump and Don Imus and those of the likes continue to get these passes. So I think and I feel like if if there are limits on what we say, they should be in place for everybody, not just the marginalized communities. You know, you know, like my problem, say you know, my problem with the Kanye West uh, speech now, what he said was not wrong. The problem is that he was penalized because we as Black Americans didn't stand up for him. I absolutely 100% think that he has the freedom to say that. Now, if you're talking about the NBA, if I say the NBA player roster is predominantly Black, then nobody will say a word. If I say the NBA management is predominantly Jewish, then all of a sudden I'm an anti-Semite. But I can make an observation about my community. And if the NBA management is predominantly Jewish, they are. But if we as Black Americans put push back and said, wait a minute, Kanye is getting punished too harshly. We're not going to buy your shoes anymore. We're not going to patronize your business anymore. Then they wouldn't do have that power to do that. Because I want get in there, Dr. Kiko. I mean, go ahead. Yeah, I think it's I think it's all about intent. Um, I think if you compare Kanye and Kyrie, I think uh, Kyrie presented himself as a person that genuinely wanted to learn. Where if we uh, if we assess what Kanye was saying, it was hurtful, and we can compare that to the things that he's the comments that he's made about the black community, um, about slavery being a choice. Like, what is the intent behind what the person is saying? I think that that is one of the ways we measure it, the need for uh, limits on freedom of Chris, speech. Chris, looks like you want to jump in. Yeah, Donna, I, I want to go to this. You brought up the point of Kanye West being penalized. Uh, we're talking about that's not a real penalty what he actually faced. Nobody is being thrown in jail at this point for freedom of speech. If they were, Donald Trump would be in jail based on the insurrection that he incited. What you're talking about is kind of this cancel culture, which is more of a crossroads. And that's where we're at, a crossroads in social media, because currently we don't have any real protections uh, from the federal government when it comes to social media. And that is where you see the highest rise of people weaponizing freedom of speech uh, to be overly used. When we want to look at it in a political sense, you only see the Republican Party really Let's limiting freedom of speech. Let's talk about those federal protections when we come back. Right now, I'm going to take a commercial break. We'll be back. Welcome back to the business of being black with Tammy Mack. I'm Tammy Mack, and the business of being black today is freedom of speech. Before we left, Chris talked about uh, federal protections uh, that are governed by uh, the, the the United States of America when it comes to communicating through radio, television, uh, wire, satellite. Those federal protections are have been in place since 1934. For 88 years, the Federal Communications Commission has protected what is being said over the airwaves, whether it be radio, television, uh, or, or cable TV. Uh, you can't just go on television or go on the radio and say uh, that somebody uh, hit you with a car if in fact that is not the truth. Well, now we have and we live in a digital world where you can say anything and there is no protection of that thing that you say, nothing to uh, justify even whether it is factual or fiction. So there is a lot of speech going on today, even from the things that we eat. I look at people who are like, you shouldn't eat this because it does this to your body. And it looks very authentic and 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 certified. And I'm like, hold on. Who said that though? Who said that? This man with these funny goggles on his face. So it it is, um, we are like, Ooh, we on a real thin line here when we talk about freedom of speech now that our speech is not protected from anything today with this digital world we live in. John, I want you to jump in on that. 
Yeah, thank you very much, Tammy. Yeah, I mean, I have to say that I'm always very much skeptical um, when I hear folks saying that the federal government should take an aggressive posture when it comes to regulating speech, specifically in the context of speech espousing a political or ideological point of view, whether I agree or disagree with that point of view. But let me share some, some sympathy with Chris, though, and with others, because I do agree that speech can be weaponized and is being weaponized in very ugly ways, and that social media is a major catalyst for that. We know that people out there are saying racist things. We know that people out there are saying things that will have a damaging impact from society. It would be naive of me to suggest that the freedom of speech doesn't have negative consequences. But again, if we're going to be able to maintain our own ability to speak truth to power, we have to have some fidelity to the idea that that liberty has to be protected. Now, that doesn't mean that folks in ownership positions or regulatory positions with respect to private companies and platforms, it doesn't mean that Tammy Mack can't say, I'm going to have this point of view on my show or not, right? There's discretion in terms of private ownership uh, and, and, and the marketplace. But when it comes to the government, we do need to be very careful that we do not ex uh, expand or exceed our legal authority to say what people uh, can or cannot say or believe. So, uh, because uh, if we don't, on that note, though, John, do you think liberty. the FCC has, uh, has paid a, played a pivotal role in, sure. how, in, in what happens on our television and radio stations? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, there's no doubt about it. I mean, you have, you know, you certainly have regulatory classifications for what sort of content is appropriate to share according to according to age group. You know, we all see when a movie comes up, if it's rated R, I know maybe I shouldn't have my kids seeing this. There's certain things that you can't say in broadcast television. But the difference is that when we come to regulating speech that is meant to communicate a social or political point of view that has an interaction with factual reality, it might be right or wrong, but it's still meant to express a subjective perspective. If we get to the point of the government regulating that, they can regulate your opinion just as soon as they can regulate the opinion of somebody you disagree with. And so that's always the risk that comes with inviting a further sort of government intervention into our ability to speak freely. It can always be used against you. I see you, Dr. Kiko. Yeah, so I kind of think, John, um, I kind of think that we're already there. I think, the, I think that the government picks and chooses when they want to interject and what they want to censor. Um, take critical race theory, um, for instance. Um, in Florida, it's been banned in classrooms. Um, uh, there has, or they, they sought to ban uh, terminology that references gender in Florida. So, I, uh, like I said previously, it seems as though the limits or the censorship are already being imposed on minority communities, and we, it's it, continues to perpetuate oppression. Um, so if we're going to implement these limits, it should be for everyone, not just for marginalized communities. Um, can, can I, I jump in with Yeah. I, I want to follow up real quick on Dr. Henderson's point uh, with that uh, and going to Florida. They literally just passed a bill talking about don't say gay. You yes. see a lot of copycat bills now appearing in Ohio, in Louisiana, in Texas. That is where you see government abusing and actually putting a limit. And again, I want to point out, those are Republicans that are putting that limit. When we go to talking about social media, this is a new age. We didn't have social media in the 1930s, 1940s. So why platforms will try to do everything that they can to protect themselves uh, with certain uh, uh, protections around speech, it kind of needs to be treated almost like a public utility and that we have to have some sensible censorship or some sensible uh, protections instead of censorship, because I know that word is scary, sensible protections to make sure that people aren't exposing and taking weaponizing freedom of speech uh, to their own agenda. Donna? You're saying that uh, we have to have some sensible, I mean, who are these gatekeepers who are deciding whose speech is acceptable and who's not? My organization has gotten banned off of YouTube because we voiced our opinions about the election, that we voiced our opinions about what happens and Martin, Martin, happens about parental rights. So we, as Black conservatives, have gotten censored. So for you to say that, you know, the gatekeepers are the ones who's supposed to be all knowing. Why can't we all have access to this information and decide for ourselves? It seems like you're saying that humanity doesn't have the ability to strategically think and see what works for them. There's not a one size fits all. 
No, you're, you're exactly all right. The, we there, all there. have the ability to make our own minds up. Um, even though I may lean right, I listen to the left. I listen to your opinions and what you say and what you believe. I also listen to what we believe and what we say. I believe that all opinions are necessary. That's what I think is what is a responsible debate. But what we're saying now is there's no room for debate. Either you believe one way or you don't. No, nobody is saying that there's no room for uh, debate, Donna. I think even when you're looking at uh, having sensible protections, if I recall, is a bipartisan effort when you look at Senator Elizabeth Warren and Senator Lindsey Graham, two very opposite people talking about we still need to have sensible protections because people are abusing it. Nobody is saying we don't want to hear both sides. We don't want to have a debate. But there is a certain time when debate goes too far and disinformation is spread, a lot of times when you're looking at things that are pulled down is because it is a deliberate attempt to spread hate or spread disinformation that is damaging to the fabric of our democracy in this country. Has the conversation gotten out of hand or have the platforms in which the conversations uh are discussed gotten out of hand because most of what we've been talking about in terms of the left, the right, uh, uh, the divisiveness that's happening in our country is not things that haven't been happening for centuries. Absolutely. Obviously, like I said, the FCC was put in place in 1934. So these conversations have been had and they've had to be regulated 88 years ago. Here we are 88 years later with a different platform and a multitude of platforms that exist now that bring those kitchen table conversations to the forefront. And for some, they're very, very scary and even dangerous at times. Yes, no, Dr. Kiko? Yeah, um, I, I agree. Um, I mean, just taking it back to, uh, well, just taking it back to Dr. King, uh, one of the things that um, he was chastised for was his speech, what he was saying, the unification of America. And many believe that that is what led to his demise, the fact that he was utilizing and exercising his right to speak, which takes me back to my original point. It's only minority communities that are being censored. In, 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 in censored. <clears throat> I'm going to ask Donna a question about that, because Donna, I believe uh, Chris, uh, uh, Dr. Kiko said it's only minorities that are being censored. I think Chris said uh, most of the time it's uh, the liberals, the left that's getting censored. But you said you you're on, you know, you lean to the right and you're obviously a minority, a woman and African-American, but you've been censored. So do you agree with Dr. Kiko that it's only minorities that get censored? Well, I, I don't. And because I don't believe it. Be, I don't agree with it because I know too many people who've been censored. I'm Black. I'm a conservative. You know what? Your assumption about what it means to be on the right sometimes is the issue. My best friend is gay. My husband is a Jew. My kids are Hispanic and Asian. So you're sitting there and telling me that somehow I'll, we automatically have a certain lean and we, cert, we have a certain uh, intention. Because I've heard you use that a word a lot, the intent. How do you know what my intent is? You assume an intention that you've never taken the time to come and have a conversation with me to learn. That's, and for me, so when I make a say something, you automatically go to a certain position. It's not for me to necessarily police your intent, but what as a citizen of this country, just like we have the freedom to bear arms, we know that there, there comes responsibilities with that freedom. There are freedoms, there are responsibilities that come along with the freedom of speech, and it's your intent, and you're responsible for your intent. So if you if you're sharing something with mal intent, then that's something that you have to to take a self reflective look in and about. But again, you're saying intent, and yes. you're saying responsibility, but. Who is the one that is saying what's responsible and what's not? And that's that my problem. It has to As be. A citizen of a, exactly. And I think that what I say is responsible. So now if you're going to tell me as an, I was a financial statement auditor and I did a comparison 
between if I was doing a audit for a Fortune 500 company and an audit for an election, and I was censored for that. So you're telling me that that individual says that I wasn't being responsible when I was paid as an auditor to do perform that very thing for four of the We're going to take a quick break because uh, I need to do some auditing of my commercials to make sure everything's lined up. We'll be back. Welcome back to Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack. I'm Tammy Mack, and the Business of Being Black today is freedom of speech. Please welcome from the Howard University School of Education, Dr. Kiko D. Henderson, the Director of Membership Development for the Project 21 Black Leadership Network, Donna Jackson, the National Ambassador for Braver Angels, John Wood Jr., and the Chief Political Officer for Democracy for America, Chris Scott. Okay, um, when we last left off, Donna was talking about her audits. I think we'll move forward from that, though, Donna. <laughs> so the German Penal Code prohibits publicly denying the Holocaust and disseminating Nazi propaganda, both on and off line. This includes making statements in support of Hitler and sharing certain images, including swastikas. Given Germany's history, are they right to have those laws? And should America have similar laws for people who say that slavery doesn't exist, for people who say that uh, there was no such thing as a uh, uh, America stealing uh, the land from the natives. Should there be some type of penalty involved, John? Yeah, well, thank you very much for the question, Tammy. Uh, no, I do not think that we ought to adopt a German way of regulating of regulating free speech. And I should say that one of the big stories in Europe right now is, again, sort of the, the rise of nativism. Right. Uh, and the and the sort of proliferation of some of the cultural forces that those regulations, of course, are meant to actually turn back the tide on. Now, I can understand why somebody would want to put those types of laws in place. But it gets right back to the point I was making earlier. These things can be turned against you. Of course, you know, it was one of the first things that the Nazis did was to eliminate freedom of speech. So there's an irony there. But I want to jump back to a point that Dr. Uh, Dr. Henderson made earlier, because it's, it's a little bit ironic, Brother Henderson, because you and I come down with what sounds like opposite Conclusions, and yet for some of the very same reasons. And so I agree about the concern about regulating education, what can and cannot be said in the classroom, and the response to CRT or what has been labeled as CRT that's coming out of a lot of state legislatures, precisely because I do believe it represents an infringement on freedom of speech. But my impulse is to say that doesn't mean we layer more regulations on top of it. No, we have to roll back that intrusiveness for everybody so there can be a fair platform, right? So there can be an equal playing field. That doesn't mean that tweet Twitter cannot and perhaps should not regulate itself. I'm not here advocating for Alex Jones to be brought back to Twitter or this, that, or the other. But I do say again that the weapon that you take hold of yourself can be used by the other side against you. And just a quick uh, point to Brother Scott, when they began regulating the use of the N-word on Facebook, most of the people who got hit with, 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 with penalties for that were African-Americans. Right. In that case, it was a technical issue because the algorithm was detecting the social use of the word and confusing it for racist intent. But you can go down a long list of issues where speech protections were put in place in individual institutions or in law meant to protect people of color, only to have it turned around and be the thing that was disproportionately used to punish them. And so, again, we have to think about the long term implications of the regulations and the policies that we advocate for and be very cautious about the degree to which we want to get a get aggressive doing so. Chris? I think you bring up a really good point, but that's the evolution of this country. We know we are not perfect. We put a lot of regulations in place, and sometimes those regulations get misused. But it does not mean that you roll back that opens makes it open season, again, to promote anarchy. One of the biggest things that the Constitution, when we're talking about sensible protections under freedom of speech, is not being able to uh, promote obscene uh, 
uh, materials. When we're talking about, you brought up uh, Nazi uh, Germany uh, and what the swastika, uh, you know, envisions and what it represents. Uh, when you talk about looking at America, think about all those caricatures uh, back in the 1900s that used to get promoted about Black people. That is why you have sensible protections in the Constitution, because people are always going to exploit that. It is not going to be a perfect system, and I'm never going to advocate and say that uh, African Americans don't oftentimes disproportionately are affected by a lot of policies. But it doesn't mean that you roll back the policy that you know that the majority and particularly talking about white people, seek to exploit quite often and will take it even a step further against minorities if you roll back some of those sensible protections. I don't know whether to go to Donna or Dr. Kiko, because Donna is looking like, what are you talking about, man? And Dr. Kiko is looking like, oh, I want to end on this. Go yeah. ahead, Dr. Kiko. Uh, yeah, so um, just, to, just to build on what uh, my brother Chris said, I think that what we're seeing is and we're seeing a challenge against the status quo. For so long, we've gone and we've accepted what has been written in textbooks. Um, we've accepted the history um, as it's been taught to us. We've never challenged the status quo. But now, here we are, 2022, we have all of these different platforms. We have the ability to, 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 to speak up, um, to, to make our views known, to, to ask questions, to re research, or what have you. And now that we have those abilities and those luxuries, essentially, um, it seems as though this conversation is getting more intense. And I, I don't think it's necessarily, like I said, to challenge the status quo. I think it's to maintain the status quo, which are which are white people, um, to continue to allow them to speak and teach uh, to teach uh, their history to us or what have you. So, I, I, yeah, just, yeah. that's. Yeah, that's it all. reminds me of a, my favorite show, Good Times episode, where uh, Michael was telling his teacher that Columbus didn't discover America and James wanted to, you know, give Michael a whipping for not listening to what the teacher said, but then Michael said, hey, I pulled up my own history books, I researched myself, and it just isn't true. And, and, and so there is this space now where Americans are beginning to find out more and more of what's real and what's truth and what's not propaganda America. Donna? Well, we've always had propaganda. That's nothing new. And that's we're always going to have it. But I think the <clears throat> most dangerous thing you can do is have the government then come in and create more regulations. The more regulations you have, the more likely it is that you it end up into slavery because all of a sudden you don't have rights. If you looked at the founding fathers, they weren't sitting there trying to figure, have a bigger government. They wanted just a government that would allow people the intention to be able to be free to do whatever they want to. But Don, I want to ask this real quick. I want to ask this of you. So when we talk about, let's take the federal government out of it because the federal government is not really involved in our digital uh, life at the moment, right? Officially. What is happening digitally is the people have taken control. This is what America is built on, right? By the people, for the people. And so when the people decide they don't want to support Kanye, when the people decide they don't want to support Donald Trump, or when the people decide they don't want to support Kyrie Irving or do want to support them, it is them who take away those freedoms and liberties of financial gain. Is this not what we want, Donna? Well, I don't, I don't, I don't, for, first of all, those platforms are not without government intervention. We already know that they've been colluding, and that's been something that's already come to the forefront, that they've talked to the White House, the White House talked to them about what should be seen and what shouldn't be seen. Uh, we know that during COVID and the pandemic and some of the information. So it's not free, private or just the public company. So they've been working in collusion with the government. And then the other thing is this, I'm not saying that I'm a big fan of Kanye or Kyrie or Don, well, or whatever. But what I'm saying is those people should have the freedom to say what they want. You but have the freedom to believe you should have your intention. But the question is without consequence. Well, you, you know what, you know what? You have Kanye, so you have Irie. He got penalized and had to go through re-education for sharing a link. However, 
Jeff Bezos, who owns Amazon, who is still selling the video, who's still renting the video, hasn't had to apologize to anyone, hasn't had to take the film off his website. He can continue to sell it. And without any penny, Chris, get in here. But but when you're talking about that, because you made the point about the federal government being involved, both of those incidents, though, you're talking about social ramifications that put that pressure that uh, put those penalties on them. Nobody, Kyrie Irving's not going to jail because of what he spoke up about. Jeff Bezos clearly isn't going to jail because of what he said about. Yes, you can say what you want to say, but it doesn't mean that you won't have social ramifications if other people don't agree with it. That's I'll have some ramifications right if I don't get to these commercial breaks. We'll be right back. <laughs> Welcome back to Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack. I am Tammy Mack, and the Business of Being Black today is freedom of speech. Um, there's just so much uh, to cover in freedom of speech. So if freedom of speech is limited to things that are not offensive to other people, who decides, and Donna has been asking this question, since the beginning of the show, who decides what is offensive? Who? Who, I ask? Chris? I think the people clearly uh, at this point. That's the whole reason why we have cancel culture in the first place, whether or not you agree with it or not. And really, is anybody really canceled? Because you still have a large segment that if they choose to support that person, they still support that person. Look at what happened with R. Kelly. A lot of people canceled them. Still, somehow, he became a trend on uh, TikTok with some of his music again. Um, And so right now, again, this conversation we're talking about is we need to still have sensible protections. And what we are talking about right now is- When you say sensible protections, Chris, like what? Give us an example of a sensible protection. So again, I would say sensible protections is what's outlined already in the Constitution, talking about you can't promote uh, obscene uh, materials. You can't uh, promote uh, language that is going to incite uh, violence. That's what we're talking about in sensible but protections. But this is what the, this is what, uh, the question uh, revolves around, and, and the question that Donna has been asking. Um, when you say, uh, like, who determines what that is who determines what language incites something or someone who who makes that decision well yeah, I, Chad, yeah. all right so I, the i think the decision was made what over 300 years ago when the constitution was written um our, the founding fathers of this country they made the decision um you have to take into context what was going on in the world in the country at that time we were enslaved um we were uh, we were still being bought and sold this this concept was never designed for us like however here we are in 2022 we're trying to reimagine we're trying to break away from the racist ra- racial implications of this amendment of this constitution that was written by white men and here we are trying to determine and and, and assess what is and what is not offensive based on a document that was developed by white men. And my, my problem is still the same. I want to know the name of the person who's sitting down there saying this is responsible and this isn't responsible. And that's where I have a problem. Let me say this. John, there are John, there are seven words that I cannot say on the radio or television. And by radio or television, I mean that which is broadcast through satellite, right? That which is broadcast um, via uh, your television's you know, station and your radio station, uh, not necessarily digital, but there are seven solid words that cannot be said. John, who decided those seven words? Mm, right, yeah. And should there yeah. be more or should there be well, less? Should we right. remove those words altogether today? Mm-hmm. And Tammy, this is why I draw the distinction between regulating free speech as it pertains to expressing a political or social viewpoint as opposed to regulating things like obscenity libel, et cetera, and just a friendly amendment to, uh, to, to to Brother Scott, because the example of incitement and obscenity is not constitutional law, but it is regulatory law, right? And so, you know, we can have a conversation over regulations, and it's when the regulation sort of creeps into the area of, re- of, 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 of regulating viewpoints and perspectives, that's where I get that's where I get nervous about it. 
But I want to take it back uh, to something uh, again that uh, that I think uh, Brother Henderson, well, and yourself, Tammy, have you know points that all y'all have basically been making about consequences, right? I think consequences is an important thing to sort of acknowledge as also being a part of, of free speech. Whatever I may feel about cancel culture as a general social phenomenon, if somebody, whether it's Kanye West or Kyrie Irving or Donald Trump or whoever, says something that is so outrageous that it elicits wide-scale public backlash, then that is a that is fair and within the bounds of the consequences of free speech. I should have a right to say what I believe, but I don't have a right to then say, oh, but you're not allowed to criticize me for it, or you still have to buy my product, or you still have to vote for me. No. Free speech brings with it, the possibility for accountability, but that's why we should support it. Because if you don't give people the opportunity to put their foots in their mouths, you don't actually give them the, the opportunity to face some of that accountability. And what happens instead is the things that they think that may be negative still continue to get an audience. It still continues to grow. Racism doesn't disappear because you try and write it out, uh, write it out of the rule books. But instead, what happens is it metastasizes. It grows its audiences in the shadows where people are not able to come into contact with the narratives of reality. And so you don't solve the problem, you just relocate it. I think that people being able to respond negatively to the things that people say is a part of the positive power of free speech. And I think that y'all have kind of been making the argument without realizing it, that that part of it is a good thing. And I agree. So, John, I, I think to John's point, I don't think anybody on this panel disagrees that we shouldn't have freedom of speech and that freedom of speech uh, doesn't exist. Uh, to what Tammy just said uh, before, while she can't say those seven words on television or radio, it doesn't mean that she can't say it in real life. Mm -hmm. That would be a limitation on free speech right there if she could not say those words at all. And so, again, what we're talking about, again, I'm going to keep using the uh, phrase sensible protections. We have an unchecked and unregulated platform or platforms that did not exist when a lot of these protections were put in place. And so just like with a lot of things with our constitutions, why you have amendments, Look at the Civil Rights Amendment, because our country keeps evolving. And as we evolve, we have to be able to make adjustments and adjust for what the time is today and not what the time was yesterday. So, Chris, those seven words that I can't say on the radio or television, should I be allowed to say them online? Well, I think that's the debate right there. How are you using those seven words when you use them online? I think there is a big difference, and I think we talked about it in just having the social uh, talk, look at uh, what we talked about, even the N-word being used in more social uh, norm versus when you're using the N-word in a hate speech. Uh, and it's and so I would have to say the N-word is not one of those words. Yep. <laughs> wow. Ironic. I mean, I do want to lift up, uh, you know, part of the context in which we're speaking, and, and Chris has made this point a number of times, and I do agree with it. We're in a brand new age when it comes to social media, right? Social media has a tendency of deranging our ability to communicate, amplifying messages that obviously can be socially destructive, and we're just not used to having to having that kind of access to each other and to wide-scale followings, even as heretofore private individuals right, that social media brings with it. And so it does represent a unique regulatory challenge. I want to just make clear that, again, there's a just, there's a meaningful, and it sounds like we're on board with it, there's a meaningful distinction to be made between public regulation of free speech as through the federal government and federal, state, and local versus private regulation on privately owned platforms. I still am skeptical of being too hard-handed, even on a platform like Twitter, because I think you push a toxic view into the shadows, it continues to grow. So John, should I be able to say those yet. words? Should I be able to say those words online? Well, I don't know what those words are, Tammy. You'd have to no. <laughs> tell me what they are. No, no, listen, I, no, I, no honestly, I do think you I do know think that I can't say them. So mm -hmm. if I can't say them, the question is, should I be able to say them online? Well, but we're online, I guess, right? I mean, that's, that's, I do think you should be On able to say Instagram them. On my Instagram page. More likely than not, yes. I mean, I, I literally don't, I should know the seven words. I don't. More likely than not, yes. But, you know, again, that, that doesn't mean there shouldn't be consequences. Depending uh, on what, okay. what it I is. hear you, yeah. Donna. Should I be able to say those seven words online on my Instagram, my Facebook page? 
Yes, I think you should be able to. I think you should be free to do that. There's always unattended consequences when we start to regulate what people can say. And I think that today, though, when people are talking about limiting speech is normally not something that's uh a, that's hurting someone is something that whose opinion and mostly political is the opposite of yours. And so that's why I think that we should be able to be free. If I don't agree, I don't agree with everything that everyone says, but I'm not trying to stop you from saying that. I don't agree with everybody, their, their religious belief or their sexual beliefs or whatever it is. But you, I think that you should be free to express that and you don't need my approval to do it. Just I like I need your approval, Donna, to go to commercial break. So I'm going to take one. <laughs> Welcome back to Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack. I'm Tammy Mack. And the business of being black today is freedom of speech. In the 1989 U.S. Supreme Court case, Texas versus Johnson, the court decided it is not illegal to burn the American flag. Should burning the flag be illegal or is that an acceptable form of an expression? Is that freedom of speech? Dr. Kiko. Well, um, symbolically, yes. Let's go with yes. I, I, th I think it's, it's, it's unacceptable. As citizens, as patriots of this country, I do think it's unacceptable. However, it, if, if you're at home in your garage and you choose to burn a flag in the confines of your own, <laughs> that's something that you do. Like, that is your choice. Um, I think it all goes, my grandmother told me something um, when I was a little boy. She told me there's a time and place for everything. And I think that that applies to this and speech as well. There's a time and place for everything. You know, it's interesting your grandmother's oh so wise. There yeah. is a time and place for everything. But in today's world, Every place is the place and any time is the time. And I don't think people have uh, have uh, hung on to what grandma said for sure, because people are telling their business all over the place. And I'm like, we did not need to know that. Why did you share that with us? Is anything private? Is that another form of freedoms and liberties that we're allowed to just blast it all out on social media, John? Well, look, I, I really do want to follow uh, Brother Henderson here because, and once again, it's just funny to me because, Dr. Henderson, I feel like I feel like you and my heart is in the same place, but then our minds go different directions, which is interesting to see. I agree, and somebody who loves this country, thinks of himself as a patriot, notwithstanding all of the all the hypocrisy and things that we would justly criticize. I'm not somebody who likes the idea of burning the American flag. At the same time people who were protesting in the name of very just causes, let's say opposition to the Vietnam War, did that sort of thing as a form of protest and were punished for it in ways that I think are antithetical to the idea of the Constitution and the way in which freedom of speech ought to be protected. So I very much think that people should have the right to burn the American flag, because ironically, being able to burn the American flag is a liberty that you should be entitled to as an American. Now, do I, do I agree with this? That's a different question. It's so what the flag represents. Well, right. And that's and that's that's the crazy thing. Right. So the idea of America should be stronger than the fabric of the flag. And in that is contained the idea that we can speak freely and show our disapproval of something symbolically. Again, I don't like the idea of burning the American flag. You would never catch me doing it or supporting that as a mode of protest. But I would also protect the right of somebody else to do it, because I do also think that that would be the American thing to do. I don't, I, you know, I don't like the idea of burning bras, but they did that back in the late 60s, early 70s, too. <laughs> These bras are too damn expensive to be burning. That's all I got to say. <laughs> and they burned disco, too. Then they take the disco records and burn the disco records. They did, yeah, they did. Every now and again. Uh, speaking of Donna, Donna, what are your thoughts? Let me give you a whole different conversation here. Um, according to the Texas Tribune, the state of Texas has banned more books than any other state, mostly books on the topics of race, racism, LGBTQIA community. Um, is that an infringement on free speech? I think that the they, their state legislation can do whatever they want to, and that's their way to express freedom. That's their way to express freedom. But um, I can believe whatever I want to believe. I can say whatever I want to say, and I want other people to have that same right. Talk about that. blueprint for a better deal for Black America. Well, we highlight eight areas, focus areas that we uh, like crime, critical race theory. Uh, we talk about taxes and spending 
and we also give 54 recommendations that can be put into law immediately. And we use those and we give them to city, states, and the federal government, all of our congressional uh, members. Excellent. It sounds like a very good program. Dr. Kiko, your nonprofit, Keek Love the Kids. Keek Loves the Kids, yes. Uh, we're a nonprofit that seeks to serve, uh, that serves uh, students in grades K through 12 by providing wraparound services in the form of school supplies, uh, coats, toys, um, uh, scholarships, technology. Um, actually, this year, we're, uh, this weekend, we're preparing to do our ninth annual toy and coat drive. Um, if you're interested in reaching out, please uh, uh, reach out to me on social media at Keek Loves the Kids on Instagram. You got it. All right. So, uh, John, tell us about the Braver Angels. There you go. Braver Angels is America's largest grassroots bipartisan organization dedicated to the work of political depolarization. But what I really look at that is, is deepening the communal fabric of our democracy and pursuing the beloved community. And so all across America, we bring people together, right, left, and center, to have the conversations about our lived experiences and the future of our country that can repair our relationships of trust with each other. And so folks whose politics are as different as Donna Jackson's and Chris Scott's can come together and realize that they've got deeper common ground than they realize although I think that that's something we all know to be true here on the Tammy Mack Show. I bet those conversations are never ending. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I haven't seen many bipartisan groups and organizations, though, and I think now is a time that we really should have some bipartisan organizations. I, you know, it's something I would love to be a part of because I think if most people admit it, they're a little left and they're a little right. Nobody mm -hmm. is completely everything, right? Uh, Chris, tell us about Democracy for America. Well, Democracy for America is one of the grandfather organizations in the progressive movement, at least in modern times. We've been around for 18 years uh, electing progressive candidates and uh, pushing up the issues of the people like student debt relief, uh, access to health care. Uh, and we have a big focus on the new American uh, majority. And I like that you brought up bipartisan efforts because one of the big things we champion, ranked choice voting, which is a bipartisan issue. Uh, and a lot of states that is starting to uh, catch fire uh, when it comes to giving people more choices in elections. Yeah. Um, so since we're talking about freedom of speech, I got 20 seconds left. I want to know your favorite word, minus the seven I can't say. Your favorite word. Chris, what's your favorite word? Uh, that makes me want to say the too short song, but I can't uh, say it. So I'm going to just say everybody knows the too short phrase. What's my favorite? Donna, what's your favorite word? Hey, mine is bye. I gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> this holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Bakers, fresh for everyone. Membership fees apply after free trial. Cancel any time. Can I be real with you for a second? That goal you have to exercise and eat better? You really can do it, but nobody is going to do it for you. Nobody is going to push you out of bed to work out. Nobody is going to make you eat better. But here's the thing. Nobody has to. Because you can do it if you have the right tools and a community that cares about helping you get results. And that's us, Beachbody. Two and a half million people, each doing the Beachbody program that fits our own goals. Over 80 to choose from. Some that take just 20 minutes a day. Nutrition plans that teach you how to eat healthy and still enjoy food. What we all have in common is we know it's not easy. So we help each other. It's as convenient as your TV or laptop, but you need to decide that you're worth it. That's why I'm inviting you to try our amazing Beachbody fitness and nutrition programs. Let us help you succeed. Here's how. Go to Beachbody.com to claim your free membership and start feeling great.